the Farm Advisory Service podcast. Audio advice on livestock, crops and soils, environment, rural business and more. Brought to you in association with the Scottish Government. Thanks for joining us for the third of three podcasts looking at positive PR. My name's Kerry Allison and I'm a senior marketing consultant for SAC Consulting. We're recording these podcasts on behalf of the Farm Advisory Service as funded by the Scottish Government. Today, I'm lucky to be joined by Claire from Ardross Farm. Claire and I are going to discuss a number of things. She's going to tell you about her business. She's going to tell you all about the kind of PR that she has experienced and whether that's had a positive or negative effect. So hi, Claire. How are you? Hello, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm great. Absolutely miserable weather, still working from home, but managing to get on with it. How are things with you? Yeah, they're good. We're not really enjoying this rain. Um, We've got a farm, so we're just about finished harvest, but still got some beans and some oilseed rape to combine. So we really could have done without the rain, but um, these things happen. Tell us about the farm. Tell us um, where you are, what you do. Give us the history. So we are a mixed farm just right on the coast um, in the East Nuke of Fife, just outside Ely. So we've been farming in Fife for generations, um, but about 15 years ago, we decided that we had to make the step to open a farm shop. So my dad was already producing beef for the supermarkets um, and he was growing cauliflower and broccoli for the supermarkets as well. But we decided to divert some of that into a farm shop. At the start, we really didn't know what it was going to be like. And Dad reckoned if he sold four or five animals um, a year through the shop, then that would be really good. We're now selling up to two a week and more in busy times. Um, So it's been absolutely phenomenal, the change it's made. So that's kind of allowed us to change our farming practices. Um, So we farm about 1,300 acres altogether um, in different contract farming arrangements and tenancies. Um, But all the beef that we have on the farm, so we have about 100 breeding cows, and all that beef goes through the farm shop. Uh, I brought on some sheep about five years ago now. So we've got about 120 breeding ewes, and all the lambs and all the mutton goes through the shop. And we now grow about 52 different varieties of vegetables, just in really, really small quantities, so we can cut them fresh every day and bring them into the shop. We obviously still have quite a lot of land um, that's not involved in that kind of shop supply. So we still grow wheat and barley and oilseed rape um, commercially. So, yeah, there's quite a lot going on and enough to keep us busy. That sounds incredibly busy. Um, And what do you do within the business? Are you uh, involved in everything from livestock to growing to the retail? Where would we find you? Uh, running around like a headless chicken most of the time. (laughs) But no, um, I'm very lucky. I work with my sister, Nikki, who the kind of plan is that I manage the farm. I do all the kind of cattle, the livestock side and the arable side of things. And my sister, Nikki, manages the farm shop. Um, But 
very fortunately, I should say, not unfortunately, but she has two lovely little sons, um, Jamie, who is just turned four, and Robbie, who's two. So she is pretty busy. So she's only managing to work kind of part-time in between nursery and school runs. Um, so yeah, so you find me in the shop most of the time when Nikki's not there. And when she is there, I manage to escape out onto the farm. So I'm involved in every part of the business. Wow, that really does sound like you've got your hands full. But in saying that, it sounds like Nikki's got her hands full too. Yeah, I've told her two kids is plenty. <laughs> I think she's got far too much going on. <laughs> but it's good they are uh, actually starting to work in the shop now. So uh, Jamie helps with the vegetables in the morning. He goes out and um, cuts some broccoli and brings it into the shop. So they're becoming more useful. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to start them young and keep that going. So in this podcast, we're going to talk about PR, public relations, and a little bit of marketing. So I assume 15 years ago, when the decision was made to look at diversifying and opening a farm shop, I'm assuming there were conversations had about how to market it. If you were going to get the beast through the shop that you needed to sustain it, how were you going to begin marketing it at that point? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, well, I would love to say it was a, an organized thought, but to be honest, we were completely clueless about retail. Um, we had no real um, idea how it was all going to work, um, but we had an idea and we thought local food for local people is what we want to do. Uh, Dad was getting quite disheartened. Um, he spent so long trying to produce this perfect product and then he put it on a lorry at the end of the day and he never heard back about it. And there was quite a disconnection there between the end consumer mm -hmm. and the farmer. And we really wanted to join that up. So when we had this idea um, about the farm shop, um, just two days after it, the local football team came in to see us and they said, oh, we're really needing some money for some new goals. Is there any chance you can make a donation to the local football team? And my mom quite quickly said, no, unfortunately we can't. But I tell you what, if you deliver leaflets, we'll pay you per leaflet for how many leaflets you deliver in the local area. <laughs> so it was absolutely phenomenal. The whole football team came out with their parents and they went around all the local businesses. And at the end of it, my mom paid for the new goals. So it was really a win-win from all sorts. But that was our first kind of sort of marketing and PR we did. That's fantastic. What a, the message being local food for local people and your mum effectively recruiting a sales force of local people and it benefiting the community. I don't think you could, you could try to write better if you tried. That's an amazing story. Yeah, it was just perfect timing and perfect thought by my mum. I don't quite know how she came up with it, but it was quite amazing to see a whole football team out delivering your own leaflets. <laughs> So since then, obviously 15 years have passed, there's been an awful lot along the way. Um, you, you said you were, you know, very honestly, you said you were feeling a bit clueless at the beginning about what on earth you were going to do with marketing. At what point in that journey do you think it became more of a, a strategic decision? Um, I suppose the more we came aware of, of what we were doing, um, my sister is very, very good at telling our story. I'm not so good about it. I seem to work very hard, but I'm not very good at getting out there and telling people what we do. 
Um, so my dad took the decision to say that we need to be proud of every part of our farm. We, if a journalist came in, we need to be able to take them around everything we do and be completely happy and um, delighted about what they see. So that was when we really started to change our whole farming practice. And at that point, marketing became and PR became really easy because people were genuinely interested in what we were doing. So it started off on social media, just explaining to people why our farming practices were different than um, someone else's, explaining about our cattle and, and what we do on the farm. And that really started to build interest in what we do. And our marketing just basically became around telling that story. So it really was a kind of, if you'll um, excuse the word organic in this sense, but it was a real organic growth for you in terms of being proud of what you have making an effort to tell the story and then it just started to become part of every day yeah I think that's a bit of the joy about being a family business who we were farmers we've always been farmers we were no expert in retail we're no expert in PR or marketing so we didn't necessarily have a strategic plan we just were proud of what we did and wanted to tell people as far as the shop goes, we started with our beef and everyone said, oh, you must have had a plan and a vision of where you saw the shop. But we honestly didn't at that point. So what we did was a customer would come in and ask for something. And as soon as two or three customers came in and asked for it, we got that product. And it actually benefited us as a business doing that because we ended up doing exactly what the customers wanted, not what we had a vision of doing. So still to this day, we have a letter behind the till. And if a customer asks for something, we write it on the list. And as soon as two or three customers ask for it, we get it in. And that's kind of how our marketing's been. There's never been a, a great push on a certain aspect, but the customers are interested in what we're doing. So we try and tell our story um, to fill that need. That's such a, a key piece of marketing. And uh, speaking as someone who is a marketing consultant for a living, that's usually the first conversation I'll have with anybody is, is there a need for it? Does somebody want it? Because so often we hear people coming up with great ideas or great new products, but there is no market for it. The fact that you guys still have that um, bit of paper up behind the till and you're still effectively conducting market research every day with your users, I think that's fantastic to hear. Yeah, um, I think our customers are so important. Without them, none of it works. So we really need to focus on what they want, what information they want, how they want us to farm. And if we can get that information from them, it makes all the difference. I have to say on the marketing side of things, I once went on a marketing course and they said, especially with social media posts, I think if the ratio was four to one. You should do four informational posts to one selling post. We are awful at selling posts. <laughs> if you look at our Facebook and our Instagram, we do lots and lots of posts. We update several times a day, um, but the amount of actual selling posts are limited, which I suppose in a, in a marketing strategy for a business, it's maybe not the best. Um, but I feel that we have quite a lot of engagement from our customers because of the type of marketing that we do do. Hey, absolutely. Engagement is key. And it's great to say there's a formula for success with social media, but it absolutely depends on that audience. And it seems to me, looking at your social accounts, that you're doing absolutely the right things. 
I hope so. Um, we get a real buzz out of people um, interacting with us and knowing the team and seeing what we all do here. So hopefully other people enjoy that too. And uh, just for those listening today, do you want to let us know what those social media accounts are? Yeah, so we have got Facebook, Instagram and Twitter and they're all at Ardross Farm Shop. Um, so yeah, any follows on those would be fantastic. And I would highly recommend them. They're great accounts to follow and a good example of how to engage the community. Claire, you made a, an interesting point when you were talking about um, your dad's position towards PR. We would like to be able to take a journalist into any part of the farm and be proud of it, be proud to show what we do. Um, over this uh, series of podcasts, some of the other people we've spoken to, PR automatically has quite a negative connotation for some within agriculture. Um, I can think of examples of um, documentaries that um, have been shown on um, public TV that are maybe not completely factually accurate and show farming and farming practices in a bad light. Um, I've also spoken to people who've had um, maybe bad experiences of journalists taking a picture of, you know, one cow laying down in a field and, and saying that the animal welfare standards are poor. Have you had any bad experiences with PR? Have there been things that you've been nervous about or things that have worried you? Uh, I should touch a lot of wood just now when I say it, but no, um, not as yet. Um, not to say that it might not occur. I hope not. We have been extremely lucky, but I think... We did have to relook at the farm and the business as a whole. Um, for example, before we started the farm shop, we used to dehorn cattle, which is a completely painless process. The cattle are fine. It actually adds to their safety afterwards because if, if a cow has some horns and one doesn't, they can actually fight and it can cause injury. So dehorning probably increases their safety. But I walked in one day and saw the vet and my dad dehorning cattle, and it looks horrific. It doesn't look like a nice process, and I would not have been happy for a journalist to come in there and spread that across our social media platforms. So we had to look at that and say, right, well, we can't do that any longer, so what do we do? So we actually spent quite a long time, and we've actually pulled all our cattle, so our cattle don't grow horns anymore. Um, and that is... Thing we've had to do across the business so that we are genuinely happy with everything that we do and we can justify that um, if we ever had to. That's uh, an amazing example actually of being proactive about the PR experience. I think it's uh, a wonderful example to follow to try to look at your farm through non-farmers' eyes. Yeah. Um, did anyone sort of come in and give you any advice on that or was that really all from, from you guys and your opinion? No, it was just from us um, and our opinion really. Um, I had quite a lucky background. I am actually an accountant and when I came back from the business after doing accountancy, my knowledge on farming wasn't particularly great, um, which was actually a huge benefit to the business because sometimes, especially in farming but in other businesses too, you can end up doing things because you've always done them. 
And actually, I came back and I started to question quite a lot of the things that we did. And sometimes when I questioned it, we actually realized that we did it because it was the right thing to do. And that was exactly how we were going to continue doing it. But on other things, it might not have been the right way and there might have been a better way to do it. Um, so I'm not finished questioning. There's still lots of questions to answer in the business and still lots of improvements for us to make. But it did start that process of how can we be better? What a brilliant question to ask. And I imagine that your background in accounts helps when it comes to your farm accounts. Yes. Unfortunately, I still have to do all of them. <laughs> I think four years at uni, I can't escape without doing that. So, yeah. So I know that um, Ardross Farm has had quite a bit of good PR over the last couple of years. Um, for our listeners who might not be aware um, do you want to tell us some of the things that you've been involved with, some of the things that have happened? Yeah, we've been extremely lucky um, with the PR that's come to us. Um, some of the bigger things are we featured on Gordon Ramsay, Gino De Campo and Fred Syriac's Tour of Scotland. And Gordon actually came to us and tried our fillet. And on national TV, he said that we had the best fillet in Scotland. And I don't honestly think you could pay for that advertising. It was just phenomenal. Um, we also won the UK um, Farm Shop of the Year and Retailer of the Year at the Farm Shop in Delhi Awards, which again was just utterly unbelievable. Um, but also things that are really important to us is we actually got, my mum and dad got awarded the local award from the local community for their um, time and effort that they put into the local community and everything that they'd done for them. And that sort of PR and that sort of credit is also invaluable. So yeah, we've had a full range of different things like that. Um, so we are very, very lucky. Sounds phenomenal. I uh, I watched Tour of Scotland. I think that's Channel Four, isn't it? For anyone who wants to to find that, it'll be on uh, Four Plus. Is that what that's called? I don't actually know. Um, but yeah, you're built to find it if you Googled it. It kind of gets replayed occasionally on different channels, but. Um, it was a really, really funny series. They went to Italy and France as well, and all three of the episodes are just absolutely brilliant. So with the, uh, with the Tour of Scotland, Gordon Ramsay, um, how did that come about? Did somebody contact you? Was it a production assistant? Um, did you contact them? How did that whole process work? Well, at the time, all that we knew was um, the studios, the production studios phoned us and said that Gordon Ramsay had tasted our beef and the production people had actually been out and kind of scoped out the shop and they thought that we would be perfect for the program and they were just wondering if it would be possible they came. I didn't think people would ever say no to Gordon Ramsay coming to their business but apparently it was a question that they asked. So of course we were delighted and said absolutely. Um, so after that the production came came back to us and they actually worked out where they were going to film and kind of made sure the areas and the settings were all okay. And then after that, it was just a case of the team actually coming to do the filming. Um, but we have since found out um, that one of the senior executives on the production team is one of our long-standing regular customers in the shop. And when the program came up, she had said to Gordon, well, I know exactly where you should go. And Gordon said, oh, no, we need to try lots of different places. And she said, oh, well. Um, so she was the one that put our name forward. And when Gordon and his team went round, they, they decided that ours would fit it best and that our beef was the, was the best for the programme. So, yeah, we're very thankful for that lady. <laughs> Phenomenal word of mouth recommendation. Yes. 
That is amazing. And a hundred percent testament to the fact that everything that you do every day is of the standard that people want to talk about it and share it. Well done. Well, thank you. We were just completely blown away. I remember coming into the house after I got the phone call and telling mum and dad, and they honestly thought I was joking. Um, we just, it's just <laughs> mind blowing. You couldn't believe it. It was so surreal. Even when they were here, Gordon was in my kitchen having a cup of tea and chatting to my mum and dad. And I was thinking, this doesn't happen every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, not unless you're uh, Gordon's wife, I guess. Yes, well, it certainly doesn't happen to us every day. What was it like after that episode aired, Claire? Um, so the night of the episode when it was on TV, the, the whole family came round into the sitting room and watched it. And we just couldn't believe this kind of social media interaction, first of all. And that was the kind of first thing we noticed, our likes on Facebook um, really really increased and we had lots and lots of comments and feedback um, which was phenomenal um, after that we started getting emails and inquiries in um, about shipping beef all over the country because um, people had seen us on the program they wanted to know more about us and they wanted to get to get our beef um, unfortunately at the time and we still don't but it's something we're working on we didn't have a kind of online shop up and running um, which would have been the ideal. But to be honest, with the interest that we had that particular night, our online shop would have crashed. So maybe it was better that we didn't have it. So that raises an interesting point for me, which is when you get PR in whatever form it comes, are there any bits of advice that you would give other businesses to think about both before, during and after um, certainly after from that point of view, um, we should have been more prepared. We had never experienced anything like that before. We had no idea how many people were going to watch it and what the interest was going to be. Um, if we had done, I suppose we would have had more beef in the shop, um, maybe an online shop ready to go. And so you can take full kind of opportunities um, when these things come up. Um, so from that side of things, we probably weren't as prepared as we wanted to be. Um, before and during the PR, um, during the PR, you just have to enjoy it. Gordon, Gino and uh, Fred were absolutely brilliant laugh. Uh, we laughed from the start of the filming to the end of the filming. It was just phenomenal. Um, but before, I would say that you probably have to look around your business and make sure that you are happy for viewers to see that because it's always the the part of your business that you maybe don't want them to see that the camera sweeps around and sees and we we decided as a business ourselves that we just couldn't have any of those areas that they could film whatever they wanted whenever they wanted and we would be happy with that that's a really sound piece of advice i think and did that were you uh, fortunate to be in the position that you felt that you had that or did you have to put a bit of work in before they arrived to get to that point um, as far as the livestock side came, yep, that was no bother at all. Um, as far as the painting on the sheds, <laughs> the shed doors and things, we did do a little bit of a tidy up and a painting here and there um, just to make it look a little bit smarter. But no, in general, like the business ethos and what we were doing, we were completely fine and happy with them coming in to film us. So that's an example of national PR or national TV. I mean, that's sort of the, the kind of stuff that people would... Um, pay very good money for. Um, you've told us about that sort of immediate impact on your business, that immediate impact on your social media and, uh, you know, inquiries for sales. How has the impact on the business been on an ongoing 
basis. Have you noticed people mentioning it? Do people still bring it up? Do you still use it as a tool in your social media marketing? Uh, we possibly don't use it as much as we should in social media marketing. Um, it is something we should look at further. But I think the effects of it were much more different than what we expected it to be. Um, for example, from a staff morale point of view, it was absolutely phenomenal um, for the staff to actually meet um, those kind of characters and be proud of where they worked. Um, we couldn't also have paid for that. So that was really, really good and beneficial for the team as a whole. Um, it does give them a little boost when customers come in and say, oh, I saw you guys on the TV, that's why I came in. And they are really, really proud of where they work, um, which is great. It's also a bit of a boost for the local community to have that kind of program set in our local area. Um, so hopefully it's given the kind of community a little bit of a boost as well. And the community are proud that we're in their area, we hope. Um, so from that side of things, it's been phenomenal. From the long-standing PR, yeah, we have now established customers. We send mail orders down to London, um, to Newcastle, to all over the place that we wouldn't have ever had before without that sort of um, PR. But it's up to us now to keep those customers. The PR helped make the initial contact with them, but we need to make sure that the products they receive and the standards they receive and the service that they receive are good enough to keep that customer as a long-term customer. That is such a key point and uh, I think a really important piece of advice for anybody listening. PR is wonderful, but unless you can back it up with the service and quality and consistency of product, um, then effectively it can be a wasted exercise. So yeah, hey, well done you guys for, for getting on top of that and continuing to provide an amazing quality product with good service. You, you spoke there about the, the benefit that that specific piece of national PR had uh, on the local community. And when you were discussing the, the other types of PR that you know, you've uh, experienced as a business, you did mention um, the local award for your mum and dad. Um, I was just wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, Um so my mum and dad, before the shop, before anything, were really involved in the local community. Mum was on the PTA and all the boards roundabout, and dad used to help at fireworks night. He would donate all the wood for the bonfire. He would clean up the bonfire the next day. We used to have local fair days where we used to decorate trailers, and they used to drive around the village with all the kids on the trailers my dad used to provide all the tractors and trailers and get all the drivers and all the kind of decoration would happen in our sheds and mum and dad just felt it was really really important to give back to the community that we are in and to make sure that we are helping it as I don't know a local community is so phenomenal that kind of strength they've got to pull together and you need everyone to help and to work together so um Mum and dad have enjoyed doing that their whole lives um, and we were quite blown away that we got a phone call about a year ago um, to say that there was an award from the local community in Ely um, just as a recognition of all the hard work they'd put into the community and they would be delighted if they could present it to my mum and dad. So mum and dad were completely overjoyed at this and they came along and did a presentation for it. That sounds phenomenal. And I, I assume that's something then that you, is it, is it featured in the, you know, in the farm shop or have you used it on your social media? Yes, well, we put a big post up just thanking everyone on our social media um, to raise awareness of it. And our uh, certificate sits with pride on top of one of our fridges in the shop. 
Oh, that's fantastic. And that really brings it back, I think, to the, the statement you made right at the beginning of this podcast where you said the, the aim and the ethos of, of Ardross Farm and Ardross Farm Shop was local food for local people. Yeah, we really want to be that connection. So it initially started off with the connection between our farm and our products. But we can't produce everything. And there are so many other farmers and small producers, especially in our area. We are so, so lucky. It makes our job really, really easy um, because there is so much fantastic new food products in our area. But we really want to be that link to the local community and to the local customers for all these suppliers. Um, so we have helped... So many suppliers have come to us and said, we've got this wacky idea. We want to start doing kombucha or we want to start doing jam and we want to start doing apple juice. We've got no idea about it. And uh, mum and Nikki have sat down with them and said, right, well, you should think about this for your labeling and you should think about um, these for your pricing. And this is comparative products and really help them start that up. Because the more businesses that we can get to pull together and um, to sell in our shop and in our local community, the better it is for everyone. We will really get a name for ourselves as local food heroes i love that local food heroes what a collaborative approach it's so nice to hear that because in in many industries but i think um, an awful lot particularly agriculture it can be difficult to collaborate with others without feeling like you're giving away all the trade secrets so that's really nice to hear yeah i think food's lucky in the sense that there's room for everyone everyone's got a new product or something different um so to give people that variety, what we really want is to be a one-stop shop for everyone. So you can come into us and you can buy your gin, you can buy your beef, you can buy your pudding, you can buy your jam, you can buy crisps, like everything you should be able to buy locally in our shop. And we really need as many producers as we can to be able to, to do that. So do you have any innovative or exciting ideas for any marketing or PR coming up that you can share with us? Uh, not off the top of my head. I think that we're doing quite a lot of regenerative agriculture on the farm. Um, we're really, really interested in, um, in not just maintaining what we've got, improving it for the generations to come. Um, so we now don't plough any of the land. We use a direct drill system. Um, we're using a traditional five-year rotation. We're trying to kind of stitch in clovers and other nitrogen-fixing crops to our grass. And we have a whole, a whole plan of how the farm is going to look. We are learning every second of every day because it's such a new kind of concept. Um, and we make lots of mistakes along the way. But I think our main goal over the next wee while is just to share that with our customers because... Yeah, people want a really, really good steak, but I think people want more than that now. They want to know how that steak's produced and if we could prove that we were benefiting the environment and everything whilst producing the best steak they've ever had, that would be our ultimate goal. Um, so we really want to involve people in that process. And if you could have a, a sort of magic wand wish list of where and how you could communicate that to your customers, are there any publications, TV shows, anything out there that you think, oh yeah, it would be brilliant to be able to talk about regenerative agriculture on? I think any. Um, I think that as a and as an industry at whole, regenerative agriculture is really, really exciting. Um, I just noticed on Netflix, there's a program called Kiss the Ground. Um, 
Have you watched it? I sure have. It's absolutely phenomenal. And it's exactly what we're trying to do on the farm. But even that sort of PR really benefits us because that's on mainstream. You know, someone in the middle of London can go onto Netflix and, and have a program about regenerative agriculture. So suddenly when they see a little post about a little farm shop up in Fife that's talking about that, it makes the connection. Absolutely. And particularly if you manage to uh, link in your social posts with the show that's actually on Netflix, that puts it in front of so many people yeah. without you actually having to uh, get the documentary made, doesn't it? Yeah, it's just phenomenal to kind of have that widespread coverage of something that you're involved in um, is amazing. So I think in that sense, farmers do need to clump together because I do think that farmers get quite a hard time, and especially recently perhaps, um, on the PR side of things, they seem to get a bit of a raw deal. Um, so it's really amazing to see some positive PR for the industry as a whole. And if individual farmers can tap into that and promote it, then it will only do good things for the industry. If there are any farmers out there who would like to contact you to discuss your experience with PR or maybe want to talk to you about collaborating and doing a piece of PR, um, what's the best way for people to get in touch? Uh, yeah, so I'd be delighted about that. So if through any of our social media channels, um, being a small family business, they come to me and my sister's phones or just email me direct. Um, my email address is Claire, um, C-L-A-I-R-E at Ardross Farm, that's A-R-D-R-O-S-S farm.co.uk and those emails will come direct to me and yeah, I'd be delighted in any way I can. Just before we round up this podcast, Claire, I just wanted to ask, do you have any other comments, advice, anything else you would like to say about positive PR for agriculture? Well, I don't think advice is something that should come from me. I We are just kind of making it up one step as we go. But I would say be proud of what you do. And if you're not, change it. Because talking about something you're proud of and promoting something you're proud of in any way, whether it be on TV or on social media or through awards, is so much easier when you're proud of what you do. Um, I think some farmers are backed into corners with what they do and they really need to rethink it and and be proud of what we do as an industry. I mean, without us, we wouldn't have food. So we need to really get that message across. I think that is the perfect point to finish this podcast on, Claire. Being proud of what you do is absolutely the critical key thing behind any kind of PR. Thank you so much for joining us today for this podcast. That's no bother at all. Thank you so much for asking me. It's quite an honour. So this has been the third of three of our Positive PR podcasts. These are all available for download from the Farm Advisory Service website. You can also download an infographic resource which highlights all the key points from each of the three podcasts and gives you contact details for everybody involved. Thanks for listening.